0: You like to call the
1: meeting to order. Um, okay, so I'd like to call the meeting to order. Hey, everybody. I hope your uh, I hope your week's going okay. Uh, if it's like the rest of everybody in the world, it probably isn't. But this is going to be a really fun meeting because Ben's presentation is really good, and uh, I actually, for once, have two really good pieces of news that I'll share at the end. So, um, what do I do after I call it to order? I want to do some a roll call. Oh, okay, can you put the, is there a way to put the screen up on my, so I can see everybody better? Okay, I'm gonna do roll call, Ben. Here. Oh, there you are. Okay, hey, everybody. Kathleen? Yes. Okay. Yes, here. Nancy.
0: Here.
1: Steven. Here. Stanley. Three. One. Stanley, can you hear me?
2: I'm here.
1: Okay, Brian.
0: There are other people around me.
1: Did we get? Did you him? Okay. Here. Did I'm we? Zoom. Kathy, did we get new members?
0: No,
2: no. One Zoom.
1: Okay, so what do I, can you put the, the agenda up so I can look at it? What do I do now?
3: This is Kathy Richardson, the interim sustainability director. Are there other board members that were not called for roll call on this call? Okay. Um, I will go through some uh, few housekeeping items for tonight's Zoom meeting. This is a special meeting called by the chairperson of the Sustainability Advisory Board. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting when you are not speaking. The chat function for this public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. All board members, please keep your video on if you can. All others, um, please keep your video off unless you are participating during the meeting. If you're having any trouble, uh, please send me a chat. And the city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual videos off to minimize distractions during the meeting. Please remember to state your name each time you speak for the benefit of those participating remotely. Now I'll turn it back to Kira and it's back to the one item that you have for tonight. Uh, Okay,
1: so it's uh, Ben's subcommittee and he has done so much work on this. This is gonna be good. Take it away, Ben.
4: Thanks for your vote of confidence. So, um, yeah, my name is Ben Sykes, sustainability advisory board member, and I've been the um, champion person for the revisions to the weed ordinance. Um, I updated the presentation that I gave back in March to talk about some of the revisions that we made just to summarize those for um, people that haven't had an opportunity to read through the entire um, ordinance and that had comments from last time. So, um, Kathy, am I able to share my screen?
3: you are excellent
0: so um, this is quite a
4: uh, a group work let's see if this works oops sorry this is a a definitely a group project the sustainability advisory board subcommittee on this has worked really hard and um, i think has come up with a lot of good recommendations that we want to put forward Um, as part of a new ordinance on noxious weeds, invasive plants, and managed natural landscaping. So just to remember what we talked about last time, and for those that that weren't here, the existing ordinance falls under um, Chapter 18, which is called trees in our ordinances, um, and particularly Article 3, which is weeds in the existing code. And it seems like this portion of the code may not have been revised for at least the last 40 years. So the rationale for the revision was, this is what it looks like for those that have gotten deep into the, the weeds of the code. No, I guess pun intended. Uh, definitely pun intended. Um, so the, the community at large members came and spoke specifically about the need to update the lengthy list of things that were identified as weeds within the existing ordinance, many of which are native, um, some of which are are aggressive or or grow quickly, but uh, many of which are um, useful plants, including some that are used by native peoples and and other elements. So the first core rationale for the revision was to modify this extensive list of plants, um, and those are well beyond the ones that were um, designated by the state and the county. And as we did that, we started to see that the declaration of noxious condition, including weeds and, and a huge number of other vegetation elements, is was singularly defined by its excessive growth um, and uh, were then subject to eradication and abatement. Many of our native plants and many of the plants that people want to use in sustainable landscaping grow larger than what was considered excessive growth. Uh, and the only way that people could grow those things as written in the code is by an exemption that would be provided by city commission. So that was the second core rationale for the revision was to um, focus on um, promotion of um, sustainable native landscaping and green infrastructure. Uh, we went through last time and hopefully most people here understand the benefits of sustainable native landscaping and green infrastructure, including Adaptation to climate change uh, and resilience to those changes. Uh, Health benefits, economic benefits, and and benefits to things like transportation. Also, we want to align the revisions to the ordinance with the city strategic plan and plan 2040 goals. And uh, at Kathy's suggestion, we were able to go through the specific progress indicators and identify which ones would be affected um, and hope hopefully improve Uh, indications that we're meeting those goals uh, by changes to the um, the ordinance and so uh, in the first place we want to streamline that noxious weed list but keep the control over unmanaged plant growth so we've now aligned the noxious weed list with the state and county lists control is still required and we need to eliminate it or keep it below reproductive height when it can't be eliminated. We do create a plant assessment board that includes a huge number of uh, community members with expertise in this area and unmanaged growth would still be limited to to 12 inches when it's completely unmanaged. This picture at the bottom shows an example, um, I think, from our community. But the the other element of this was to try and promote managed natural landscaping, and so we've done that in a few different ways. First of all, um, through Um, requirements with the city doing its job through municipal landscaping the use of native plants in newly developed city areas Um, the requirements there and in the private area are for more than 50 percent of the area excuse me to be native or sustainably landscaped so this would be an example on on a new development so the city would need to do that Um, and then in new private developments Um, At least 20% of the pervious surface would need to be managed as a sustainable landscape unless it was exempted somehow. And um, for that, in in those areas, uh, at least 50% of the plants would need to be native if it was um, native landscaping or xeriscaping. Uh, There is a setback for all of these things that are aligned with city code. So the other things that we added with some feedback from our community members was first to develop an educational program and materials with our community partners. So specifically, we wanted to develop simple reference sheets for developers. If they're going to be required to do this, um, then we would want to have clear information for what that means and how they could do it. This is an example here for how it was done in another area for xeriscaping, the materials used and how to install them. Uh, We want to work with our community partners to create public education programs that includes tribal members landscaping companies and many of the Community members that are already. um, Creating native plant resources that they sell Um, so, for example, the grassland heritage foundation and monarch watch have just had um, spring sales of native plants. This is an educational program that the master gardeners put on in March for sustainable landscaping. And we wanna work with all of these groups as well as uh, local nurseries and plant providers to help develop the resources for people to be able to do this. Another key element that we've tried to incorporate is a cost share program to help defray the costs. We certainly don't want to, um, uh, we we don't wanna increase the cost for people. And also we wanna encourage the conversion of existing properties where people wanna change out maybe their turf grass lawn to native landscaping, or to sustainable um, natural landscaping so in our um, proposal, the city would match up to 50% of the costs uh, 50% of costs up to $500 those eligible expenses would be determined by the city and community partners and the parks and recreation department would handle applications. Ultimately, the City Commission would determine how much the total amount for the program would be and also how it might be split between proportions dedicated for um, for new developments, as well as those for existing homeowners. Uh, We talked about this last time, how we've tried to modify the abatement and enforcement process uh, to create something that that might be more um, amenable to um, not just arbitration, but also so that we can have more conversation in that process. Um, We've also tried to create this progressive fine system. We did change it to um, a set percentage based on property value, but um, we still haven't been able to get any feedback from the city attorney's office on that. Um, But I think that we we would love to do it that way if that's possible. Um, Yeah, Um, and the, the owner of the property would have to be provided with clear details on the violation and processes for appeal. Okay, so there were some previous elements that we talked about that I just wanted to come back to to make sure everybody was up to date on them, and then I'm happy to answer any questions that people have. So um, one was we talked about chemical trespass last time. Um, landowners are responsible, obviously, for the appropriate use of pesticides that includes in managed natural landscaping. Um, but in consultation with city staff, the chemical damage to adjacent properties uh, would be viewed as a civil matter. So that's a private nuisance. And so that's how it would have to be dealt with. Um, so it's not um, covered as an element as it was in the, the previous draft. For chemical trespass, uh, we haven't uh, removed the the element that uh, was to show uh, show who the complainant was so that anonymity anonymity is maintained. Um, we still are awaiting feedback from the city attorney's office on a couple of things, um, including that uh, excuse me, the progressive fine possibility. And then uh, we do want to align this clearly with federal grants and city planning. I have talked a few times with people in the stormwater management plan, um, and they have offered to give us presentations which I know um, Steve was really uh, pushing for about what the city is doing in terms of infrastructure grants. And um, I I certainly believe that uh, some of the the offsets that we could create here could be funded by a lot of the green infrastructure that's being um, funded by things like the EPA through the new bipartisan infrastructure law. We also want to integrate this with the specific stormwater management plan for the city and of course the the city development code, which will be revised over the next two or three years. So that's my spiel. I'm happy to answer any questions or go through the ordinance as much as anybody wants.
5: Uh, Maddie Bell, board member, um, yeah, I had a couple questions. So under section 3.3, which is, sorry, I'm scrolling. I took notes. Uh, Native vegetation, um, I just wanted to clarify because it says a minimum of 20% of previous surface area of the parcel shall be landscaped as a managed natural landscape. um, And uh, Wait, sorry, is that this right section? I believe it is. Um, And there's also a statement uh in here that says, the city shall require 20% of the previous surface of all newly landscaped private areas to be landscaped with natu- native plants. So is that, are those the same? Is it saying like the 20% of landscaping that is required will be fully native plants? Yeah, so thanks for that question, Maddie. And I
4: think we we went around about this in March as well. This is how I think those things are usually stated. I, I'm definitely open if people think language will make it simpler. Um so basically when they when we say 20% of the pervious surface, that means if you think of all of the the property that you have that doesn't include your house or the driveway or things like that, right? 20% of that in a new development, would have to be set aside as a managed natural landscape. But if you are doing native landscaping, 50% of the plants in that 20% area would need to be native plants. Does that make sense? So it's not a, it's not a, one of them is like how much area it is, and the other is what proportion of that area has to be native plantings.
5: Okay, so it's not that it's not the 20% of landscaping needs to all be native. It's only half of the the required, minimum required landscaping needs to be native.
4: Yes, and, and in fact, it needs to be managed sustainable landscaping. So we've uh, pr- tried to provide pretty clear definitions of what that is, but that includes a huge number of elements that it could be including things like urban agriculture. So if they wanted to do, 20% of the pervious surface as a, 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 a urban agricultural garden, that would still be considered as um, fitting
5: uh, fitting that uh, requirement. Can you raise
2: plan. your hand on this stuff? I'll
0: show
5: you. Okay, so, um, so the 20% refer, refer to both the minimum amount of the property that needs to be the pervious part of the property that needs to be landscaped, which is a requirement by the city. And then that 20% fully needs to be sustainable, but what sustainable means can vary. And another way you can meet that requirement is having half of that 20% be native plants.
4: Yeah, so okay. I think what you're getting at is what would be the absolute minimum that people could get away with. So under this, you could have essentially 10% of the purpose area that was 100% native plants and you would still fit the the, the definition of what this requirement is. So it's it's a pretty... Again, we're not trying to. Yeah, mandate that everybody turns their entire lawn into native plants if they want to 100%. That is the bare minimum of of what the requirement would would ask for. You could also take 20% of the area and have some native plants mixed in with um, some non native ornamentals or other things that people want to. Yeah, Okay. great, thank you.
5: Uh,
4: Stan, it looks like has his hand up.
5: Hey Stan.
6: I was wondering why in exemptions uh, 2.2, places like parks and the new McGrew Nature Preserve, those types of areas are not included in the exempt areas. So I'm thinking of like Dad Perry Park and Centennial Park and places like that that have a lot of wild growth. Native growth, what, why are they not included in the exemptions? Well, I think there's one practical reason
4: is that these, this is literally the almost the identical exemption list of what was in the, the um, model ordinance that we used. So I haven't changed it much from that. But I think I would also say that the Parks and Recreation Department would be responsible for the upkeep of existing parks, but this would not... Uh, if, for example, there was a new park that was established or something like that, I do think it would fall under um, this ordinance. But I, I, you know, I'm I'm certainly open to um, to adding an exemption for parks. But let me think, you know, let me think about that, Stan. Because if there was a new area, let's say Dad Perry Park, and they developed a new part of Dad Perry Park that was, you know, let's say it was in overgrown forests or something before that. And then they wanted to develop it so that there were plantings there and people could walk in it. Wouldn't we want them to use native plantings in that new area? I think- it's, I guess I'm
6: thinking of if you have a new park area, does it have to be a managed landscape? Do you have to go in and keep things 12 inches and lower under the definition of managed landscape? Because it says managed natural landscaping is required and shall apply to all newly developed public. And private buildings developments and land. So if we have a new park in our city. Then do you have to go in and manage the landscaping for that open space.
4: That that's my concern. Maybe then what we should put in here is something about parks and recreation managed land because I, you know, even at all of those other parks where they have a big uh you know a big riverine area where there's a lot of overgrowth they do still try and go in for example clear Clara honeysuckle or, or some of these non-native plants but obviously yeah I think you're right it doesn't fall under like they need to go in there and make sure it's either 12 inches or it's got you know nice borders around the edges of it or something like that I think that's what you're getting at right
7: yeah yeah I was yeah. just
6: thinking about the the future expansion of Lawrence as we annex new areas, we'll probably annex some open space and we're exempting out in here, you know, things like rights away and golf courses and agricultural lands and cemeteries, but not parks. So, anyway.
4: So, you'd I'm, say a simple suggestion would just be to include parks here as an exemption.
6: Yeah, there, you might want to consider
7: that.
0: Okay.
6: I have a, a, another question on in chapter three it, it references a city horticulturist yes do, do, do we have one in lawrence i don't know
4: i'm curious uh, we do it used to be crystal um and the new one sorry i don't have their name on the tip of my tongue kathy may know tyler, I was just tyler thank you tyler is the new city horticulturist that's good to yes. know
6: and then you're using the term pesticide as also including herbicides. That's kind of a generic term for herbicides. Pesticides, yeah. Okay.
4: I mean, I can I can add herbicides or pesticides. I've just said uh, instead, pesticides includes all federally and state regulated chemicals used to control plants, insects, animals, fungi, other
6: microbes. Okay, that's fine. And then I have one more question. It's towards the back. Oh, in the definitions, um, I have a couple questions. One is on the definition of native plant species. I think you've, you've changed that a little to, um, anyway, it, it says native plant species are any plants or cultivars of plants occurring naturally within the municipality or the Midwest or North America and not brought to the region. Is that I'm confused. How can you have a cultivar that's not brought to the region? Um, what What am I misreading there?
4: Well, re- I think we talked about that earlier, and how it was originally read was something like, "What not developed by man" or something like that. There was some language in there we didn't like before. I guess what I was thinking here is that if you have Let's take bee balm or a native plant, right? A native, whatever, uh, milkweed or something like that. But it's been bred so that there's a, you know, a swamp milkweed cultivar that the Douglas County master gardeners have kind of grown so that that's what they sell. That's what I think we want covered here, I think. Like a a cultivar is just, in my mind, is just a strain, right? A, uh, A particular variety of a plant species right?
6: Yeah, so I guess I, what I'm thinking of is I bought um, prairie fired uh, crab apple trees and planted them on my property. And the reason I picked those is because the, the crab apples hang onto the tree in the winter and that it's provides f- food for birds. But it's a cultivar, you know, it's not, I don't know that it's a native species. So it, Is that something that would be not allowed anymore? This is what I'm trying to figure out. I just, I kind of- Well, this doesn't cover any trees. We haven't
4: addressed trees at all
6: here, but um, certainly- uh, Well, it says any plant- I guess,
4: are you asking, would it be considered a native plant cultivar?
6: Yeah, is is it something that would be banned? Uh, Is it considered uh, a native plant species?
4: I mean, I don't think we're we're trying in any of these cases to ban the use of those things. We're just saying if you have that 10% or 20% or whatever that you're setting aside for that managed natural landscaping and you're using native plants there, these are the ones that we consider and, and again, the plant assessment board, that's why I added this here as well. The USDA and the plant assessment board can be consulted for exactly the kinds of questions that you're asking, Stan, because there will be people that say, hey, I bought this, does that count? Um, and I, I honestly, I would kind of defer to these local members and include people like, you know, landscape companies and, and tribal people and, you know, uh, natural heritage inventory people at the biological survey, those, I think people can have more expertise on those things. Than that. All
0: right. But,
6: but that is helpful. It's not to ban it. It's just to say if it's going to qualify as a native plant species, that makes more sense. I've, that's what I was reading incorrectly. Okay, the other thing in the definitions, I, I think there could be a better definition for tree, like a woody perennial plant or something on a s- single trunk. But... There you've got a definition for meadow landscaping and the term meadow landscaping is not used anywhere else in the document. I'm not sure why that's in there. It's since we don't use the term anywhere else.
4: Yeah, I think some of the um, committee members just wanted to give us as many examples as possible of what we would consider managed natural landscapes. And so under D there where it says managed natural landscapes, Basically, we we created some examples of those that include everything from J to P. Okay. No variety landscaping, xeriscaping, urban agriculture, permaculture, meadow. So that's you're right that we haven't mentioned that one explicitly. But any of these we would consider as falling under and
6: qualifying
4: as a managed natural landscape.
6: All right, I did not catch that reference of the J through P. That's okay. that's really helpful. Those are all the questions I had, so I guess my only comment would be maybe consider adding parks. To city parks to the exempted area. Thank you.
4: Yeah, thanks, Dan. Um, Kathy Hank has his hand up. Can we go there? Should we do we? Are we doing the separation of Board questions and then public questions. I don't know.
1: I think we need to do the board ones first, and then we open it up to the public. Isn't that how we do it,
3: Kathy? That's correct, yeah.
4: Thank you, Karen. So I'm perfectly happy. uh, I'm happy to include parks as exemptions as well there. I would ask if anybody else on the board has questions about the ordinance, has thoughts about adding parks or any other changes they'd like to see. unintended consequences. We've tried to think as much as we can of like what might be unintended consequences of, um, you know, changing the weed list or requirements or, you know, um, last time I think you guys saw that we didn't have the, um, we only had the idea maybe of a cost share program. I think we've opted to try and write the, ordinance that we want to to show city commission, which includes things like an education program and uh, a cost share program. I'd be happy to entertain any other thoughts people
8: have. Steve Kramer, uh, sustainability advisory board. Uh, Ben, looking at everything in here, first of all, I applaud the fact that you've got definitive lists from the state and from others from both noxious weeds and native weeds on a reference, Um, that's fantastic. Uh, But going back through some of the things, I wanna make sure I understand 50% um, 50% of 20% of pervious land. Has that been vetted through the city on how we would enforce that yet, or if that still to be done through uh, discussion?
0: It, it
4: has not. Uh, it has not been. Uh, so these would be new developments. The question I think still remains for me whether or not that's the responsibility of the developer or of the owner that buys the property uh, that often might be undeveloped. And that's an important point that we need probably city attorneys to weigh in on or city commission to have ultimately saying.
8: Yeah, it does seem like it's probably additional job duties and responsibilities which would require um, roles just find uh, arbitration on that. Um, the whole uh, vetting of the planning and then the follow through. Uh, it seems like there's probably quite a bit of city infrastructure that's going to be involved in trying to Uh, implement and then later to enforce that. Uh, The same question comes up when we start looking at the uh, cost share program. Again, I know this has worked with uh, other cities. Does this have funding yet? Is this something that sounds like it's very realistic or is it again this become an action item about how we can implement this?
4: The program as it's established now would have to be funded by the City Commission. The City Commission would have to make a decision to fund it uh i I will say that in discussions with people in the stormwater office there are federal opportunities for green infrastructure if the city is concerned about how to offset those kind of costs um but yeah i mean obviously we don't have any power to dictate where what money goes where right we can only make recommendations to the city commission this recommendation would have to be paid for by
8: the city commission deciding to do I love it. I love the fact that it's there. My question really is about where does the responsibility for defining and detailing this infrastructure for um, implementing this, enforcing the uh, 20 percent, 50 percent rule? Uh, And then also potentially is the uh, are the fines, scaled fines? Uh, Did you leave that in here?
4: I did. I think there was some discussion uh, with city staff and others that it would be nearly impossible on a practical manner to get income taxes, state income taxes. So, but there is public information available about city, about property values. And so there is still in here a progressive fine system based on property values.
8: So here's a question. There's three different parts of this that aspirationally I think are really good. Uh, the question is, where do the do the details of this get worked out? Is that something that our board would make, make a recommendation of? Is that paid staff trying to figure it out? I know city commission's not going to do it. They're going to delegate it to somebody. Who's the somebody?
0: Is it you? It is definitely not
4: me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it'll come back to us. So I, let me let me tell you three, three elements that I know uh, of how they would get worked out. First of all, at least how it's articulated here, city commission would set the overall amount for that cost share program. And then they could say 50% for new developments, 50% for existing homeowners, or 70% for new developments, 30%, whatever. That was all they would need to do in terms of the cost share program to move forward if they had the money. The applications for the cost share program, as we wrote it here would be handled by the parks and recreation department, which does have expertise, including horticultural expertise, for, yes, that qualifies as a sustainable landscape and green infrastructure that would help with stormwater. Um, the last part, who assesses the 20% of the 50%? Is it native plants or not? I definitely, I, I agree with what you've said. I think we would have to have some training either within, uh, you know, the municipal services that's assessing those things or, you um, I do think through the educational programs as well, though, we can kind of preempt some of that by saying, here's what qualifies. Like that one sheet that I showed there, having a sheet for developers front and back that says, here's all the things that would qualify. And here's how you do it. Here's where you get them. Here's who to contact with the city. If you don't know how that will hopefully preempt a lot of hemming and hawing and staring and measuring, you know, number of plants. Oh, I think you have 47% and I, I you're not quite there, you know, um, so I, I, those are all, all my thoughts on that, Steve, and I, 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 don't, I don't
0: know if that helps. It's just what I thought about it.
8: It, it does. I'm going to suggest something. Um, I know for the city commission, uh, they're, not going to, they're not going to be able to sit there and try and figure all this out. They're going to need a recommendation within the proposal, and I see this probably as three appendices that are attached to this or supporting documents or something that might suggest it. Um, I'm willing to help jump in on this and start doing some of the uh, dirty work. But I think there's also a portion of this that's probably gonna fall back to paid staff. Kathy, uh, help me out here. There's only so much as a uh, appointed advisory board that I think we can dig into. How would we go about this if we were gonna try and define to some greater detail? Let's we'll talk about four sections of this about the actual implementation and execution.
3: This is Kathy Richardson, interim sustainability director. So um, Steve, just uh, clarify for me, you're saying that if you take four of these sections to work through further, how would you go about that? Let's
8: take an example. If we're gonna require all new uh, developments to have 20% of the pervious land within a sustainable landscape, and of that 20%, half of the vegetation within that area would have to be native plant there is a number of things that will have to be worked through such as somebody submitting a site map about where this area is and it's going to be part of the application process for development. Second part is going to be there's going to have to be a review and it might be the plant board but I don't I think the plant assessment board is a higher level functioning committee. Somebody's going to have to determine whether or not their plan meets the guidelines and then is there or should there be, an inspection at any time that they have actually carried through with their plan. Now, those are all parts that I think the city commission would want to have a proposal about how that would actually be handled because they've got way too much in their plate to be trying to figure out details like that. Who would they normally pass that to? Would it be back to us or would it be to somebody uh, along the page?
3: I I would say, so if the sustainability advisory board was ready to move forward with just presenting these recommendations on the ordinance changes, even if there wasn't the full review from the city attorney's office, um, just to have that conversation with the city commission. And you can start that conversation similar to the single use plastic um, discussion. It's a much larger discussion than just presenting the information once and it's a done deal. There was a lot of work and a lot of staff that was directed to work on that ordinance at that time. So something similar might occur uh, with this topic as well where um, city staff along with, again, sustainability advisory board, this subcommittee that Ben is leading and um, others um, that are maybe not involved in the subcommittee. If if this is something that um, commission wants to move forward with any part of it, and there's additional work to do or research to bring back to them, I think that's where you're kind of dividing and conquering um, to bring that um, information back to the city
8: commission. Your recommendation is to get this in front of the city commission and let them nod that this is a good direction to go and then take further steps after they they give their basic approval.
3: I believe that was the discussion and direction that the subcommittee um, was wanting to go forth with. I'll let Ben speak to that, but I thought the subcommittee was feeling ready um, to go to commission soon to get scheduled to be on commission as long as the advisory board was in support of that so that they can start the conversation at the city commission level.
0: That's much clearer. Thank you very much. You're off the hook man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to answer the questions. Uh, Kay had a question, I know. um,
9: Kay Johnson, sustainability advisory board. Um, Generally, whoever is responsible for doing the tall grass and weeds ordinance um, is like code, the code inspection group. I would think that a lot of this even maybe the plan review would be in that same section of of the city work, you know, I, I don't know, but at least in a lot of other municipalities, that's the way it is.
4: Yeah, thanks for that, Kay. And, and I believe at the staff level, that's Brian Jimenez right now, um, and it has a couple of people under him as well. Uh, I think, you know, one of the points that you're making more generally, I think Steve is that. This makes it more complicated, right? It makes enforcement more complicated when it's not simply is it smaller or higher than 12 inches, right? I mean, that's a really straightforward, very singular line to divide, but unfortunately what gets left on the other side of that, which gets excluded is our our native vegetation and a lot of other sustainable landscaping that can help with a bunch of our um, strategic goals. So uh, I thought about that a lot in ways that, man, it's going to be harder to enforce this, right? It's going to be, there's expertise that's going to have to be built. But I, as Kay said, I do think people like Brian Jimenez and other people in the staff are going to have to already have some skills that go beyond, you know, is it managed or unmanaged? Um, there are other things that we try and suggest in here, for example, the use of borders and the use of other elements that, that show people that you're managing it rather than, you know, you're just not doing anything. Somebody shows up Go, oh, it's a managed natural. You know, that's that's not the equivalent. But th- those are the, the kinds of conversations that might have to be had at some point.
8: Uh,
0: Maddie, and I will
8: say oh,
0: sorry. just one last
8: comment, Ben. Um, this is something that I think is wonderful. This is good to see. It is a stretch beyond what has been done before. So there's always going to be a lot of work with it. But if we don't tackle some of these things and take them head on, we're never going to get better. So I think this is beautiful. It's why when it comes time, um, I'd be very happy to volunteer time to start chasing down
0: some of the details that make this happen. But I think it, it, we want to move in the right direction. I'm done. <laughs> Maddie, go ahead. <laughs>
5: Cool, thanks. Um, So I also had a question about the 12 inch um, rule, essentially. So I know that it applies uh, to non-native plants, but in the section about it, um, in Chapter 3, it says under unmanaged plant growth, it says managed natural landscaping. Uh, 3.2 above in definition section, with vegetation native to our region, ergo prairie plants or urban crops are often taller than 12 foot, particularly in summer to fall. This vegetation must be clearly maintained in a healthy condition and fit the other standards detailed above. So does that mean that it doesn't, like the 12 inch rule does not apply to these native plants? Um, and if so, uh, who deems it to be healthy? Like because I, I know that like neighbors can basically report on each other to the city like or you know a lawn that they see that's like hey this this is above 12 inches so I, I mean I guess I'm just like wondering about that kind of situation where like whether it's oh this I can recognize this as a native plant and it's and it's uh deemed to be unhealthy or uh, I don't know this is a native plant and I think my neighbors yard is over 12 inches and I want to tell the city like um that sort of stuff
4: yeah um thanks thanks for that Maddie this has been Sykes sad board member so the short answer I think is that if you have managed native vegetation in your lawn and it's taller than 12 inches it is exempt it is exempt from the 12 inch requirement what is managed and unmanaged Is going to have to be a decision that's made that it's very hard to provide clear cut definitions of what that is. We've tried to provide examples of how people could show that it's managed personally. I would love it if we could get signage or people to to tell the city, look, I have a managed natural landscape so that people like Brian Jimenez or other enforcement people can already have that on their radar when somebody might complain or something but there will still be some complaints there will still be some people that think this is unmanaged but the the owner may think it's managed and those will hopefully through this change in the arbitration procedure will provide that homeowner the the opportunity to say look here's here's how i'm managing it here's why it's a managed natural landscape or something like that, and I hope those are fewer and far between. If we have a robust educational program about what that means, that's that's uh, crafted by uh, the plan assessment board and other really knowledgeable people in our community. Cool. Well, think I don't know if that answers your answer your question. Yeah, exactly. and
5: I. I just wanted to clarify, when I was using I, I didn't need any person like, oh, I <laughs> neighbors to report on. Them?
4: Yeah, um, They're all, it's all
0: Maddie. <laughs> yeah. uh,
5: and then um, I just, there was a, I think a typo I noticed um, under 5.7 inspections should have, I think a number four right next to it. Um, uh, but I think that those were all my questions. Thank you very much, uh, Nancy. Yes.
9: So um, I think you've done a terrific job and, and with the uh, change to add parks into one of the exceptions, I'd like to make a motion that we uh, pass this forward to the city commission.
1: Um, well, I don't think we can make a motion until we've heard from uh, everybody, right? I, th- I think after you make the motion and seconded,
9: then you have discussion.
1: Is that do I do I ask for the um, public's comments before we? I swear to
3: God, I've been practicing the Roberts rules, but usually we, we do um, make sure everybody's said their comments from the board and then um, any public comment
9: and then a vote. And then a vote. Okay. All right. So uh, can we hear from have the have a motion before you and a second before you have a vote? And you can have all the public comments after. Okay.
1: Thank you so much, Nancy. Does anybody second Nancy? I appreciate your help.
6: I think typically you have the public comment before you make motions, but.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought too.
5: Maddie, uh, board member, I would like to hear a public comment in case there's something that I hadn't considered before um, passing a, or, you know, seconding a motion to uh, adopt the uh, revisions to the ordinance.
0: Okay, can I uh, open the public comment, please? Let me bring up my other screen.
1: Okay, uh, Hank Gorisco.
2: Yes, um, thank you for um, working on this so hard. I know this is a great, Uh, step forward. I really appreciate all the work everybody's done. Um, The one thing, the one concern I have is um, there's a category of vegetation which I don't think has really been outlined in here or addressed appropriately, and that is naturalized vegetation, which is very useful for medicine and food. So it would come under plants, the exemption, say food plants or plants used for other scientific purposes. Um, but I'm, I'm especially con, con concerned about things like dandelions, which are not invasive. I mean, are they invasive species or plantain? There's a two, the narrow leaf and broad leaf plantain, which is also a very useful plant as well as being an edible plant, it's a medicinal plant. So um, what the way it looks to me here is that that would be left to the discretion of the city staff or the plant assessment board. So I I can't really, uh, can I imagine going to the plant assessment board and say, okay, I wanna have dandelions in my yard. I mean, is that gonna be a viable thing uh, for them to to say yes to, and and other there's many others like that which uh, I use, and I know many other people. There's an herb group in town here that that values all these kinds of plants, which are not nest uh, are not noxious plants. They're 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 not native plants, but they are naturalized. They've been here a long time, and and I think they and they have a lot of value, and people do use it. So I would like to at least see some sort of. Uh, addressing this this issue, those those category of plants uh, where you know that would be addressed as well as native ones. Native ones are used as well for these issues, but those particular ones that are very common, which which I find useful. So um, I just want to see how that what what, uh, what that's all the comments I have.
1: <laughs> I appreciate your comments, and I'm so glad you're here. I've been working so hard to get more of the public involved. so, I really appreciate you you coming and commenting. I really value that. Um but Ben Ben will need to answer your question.
4: Uh yeah, thank thank you very much for your comment. Uh Hank, the uh, this Ben Psych Sustainability Advisory Board Member and uh for for some of the input that we had over email as well. Uh I, I guess uh, we have a couple of subcommittee board members from the public that aren't on the Sustainability Advisory Board that also share your interests and the elements of using naturalized plants for lots of things. I think one of the challenges that we had was figuring out where to draw the line if there is a line. So just to be clear though, dandelions, plantain, those naturalized plants, now that we've changed the weed list, none of them would be considered noxious weeds. All of them are, or, or most of them are, below twelve inches. So even if they're completely unmanaged, they still wouldn't, right? Trigger uh, a violation. Essentially, the 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 way that I think you would need to, that we would approach the, do they qualify as managed natural landscaping? Essentially, is to make that argument in front of somebody like the Plan Assessment Board and say, hey, look. These are not native to a region, but they are useful. I want them included as, hey, if I want to make a dandelion garden, that should qualify as my 20% of my pervious surface of my new area or something like that. So, but So just to be clear, again, they wouldn't be in any way, now with the change to the weed list that this institutes, they wouldn't be considered noxious weeds at all, even though they, they do grow really quick. <laughs> and so you could still grow them. Just at, at currently, as it's written, they wouldn't satisfy that requirement of new developments. Yeah, is that? I
2: was just thinking. I was thinking more. I know they're not noxious weeds, but are they invasive weeds? See, that's the the question I have. And uh, and also, there are many others that do grow taller than twelve inches. That would be useful nettles and whatever. There's a whole list of of naturalized weeds, which. People have used, pioneers have used them, et cetera, you know, and all that. Yeah. So um yeah, I guess that would be nice to to address that issue. That would be my personal concern, would be to address that somehow. And you know, to include that okay. as um, you know, naturalized vegetation in some way. I mean, what what would be excluded? What in your in your mind would be would would you draw the line? Would do you have any ideas as to where that would be? I mean, what what plants, for instance, would be considered invasive? That would be useful, but not not native. But you know what I mean. That would be uh, naturalized. I don't I don't really know of any. Okay, that's why I'm wondering what that what uh, what that would, would would look like. Like yeah,
0: chicory.
2: So is chicory is useful? You know, all the things. That, you know. Yeah,
4: there's so there's only uh, currently. The state of Kansas on its noxious weed list only has 11 species. Under the changes we've made, those, and I think most everybody knows, many of those are agricultural weeds. They're not necessarily urban kinds of weeds. But those are the only ones currently that would be outlawed as invasive or noxious and necessitate control. Any other weeds, any other things that people consider weedy or grow weedy or things like that would not be uh would not trigger necessary to control unless added by a plant assessment board right so only those 11 species that are currently that's like bindweed you know napweed right, right. spurge so i many of the ones that you suggested nettle and all those things those were actually i don't remember if it was, i think it was you hank like you and other members of the public first spoke to the fact that that weed list we have on the books right now contains many of those species. So they are all no longer considered necessary to control under this new ordinance.
0: Great, Thanks
1: Thanks so much, Hank. I appreciate that. Who else has a comment from the public?
3: Got Michael Allman.
1: Sorry.
7: Yeah, hi, this is Michael Allman. Oh, hi, Uh, Michael. I'm, I I was participating with this committee as one of the members of the committee from the public. Um, and I'd like to, I appreciate what Mr. Rasmussen and Mr. Kramer uh, offered. And I'd like to comment about that. Um, like the question about whether we want our parks to be managed or not. Um, first of all, when we put managed in here, we also have definition H of unmanaged plant growth. And the idea isn't that it's a difference between whether you're growing native or natural or you're managing. You know, if if you're if you're managing it, it's native or natural. If you're not managing it, it's you know, something else. That that wasn't the point. The point is if it's managed or if it's neglected. If you're actively cultivating and managing it that was why we use that terminology and in that context the city right now manages their parks all the time uh, the thing is right now under the current weed ordinance there's basically one methodology for managing and that's a lawnmower um, or a chainsaw <laughs> um, When we wrote this, we wanted to broaden that definition managing. That there's all kinds of ways to manage a landscape, um, you know, through mulching, through pruning, um, mowing can be part of that, um, through a a variety of combinations, which in permaculture we call guilds, um, you know, hand weeding. Um, any number of ways to manage that's not just mowing. So that's what that word really kind of means for us. That it's somebody actively engaged um, with intent to manage the landscape. Uh, So I hope that kind of helps. And Mr. Kramer, your, your, your points about implementation are well taken. That is definitely gonna be an issue. Because there's going to be a lot more to do to uh, figure out, you know, if this is within within the ter- the, the bounds of the ordinance or not. Um, the way and 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 Kay Johnson kind of got it there that pretty much it's city staff. It's not going to be volunteers like the board members or me or you know I certainly I'm not going to be involved in enforcement. Um, it's going to be city staff. But right now, there's two departments that kind of handle these issues. One is the planning office, the uh, city planning office, and they um, they look at site plans, they look at um, land plats, platting, and and site plans. So when somebody lays out The site for their house or apartment complex or whatever it is they have to show a lot of detail on where the sidewalks are where the street trees are um, where the storm water might run off you know any number of things and just like right now that the city is considering exterior lighting ordinance to add to the requirements Mm -hmm. when the city planning staff looks at a site plan they they now add to their checklist exterior lighting. So when this comes along, city planning staff will add to their checklist 20% of the land has to be natural landscaping. And you know, if they'll look at the site plan, they'll say, no, that doesn't that's only 15%. You need to have 10, you know, 5% more. Um, so that's pretty standard that every time they look at a site plan in the planning office, they'll look for that. Um, But likewise, it could be, you know, as far as what plants are then in that 20% area, um, most likely, like Ben pointed out, it's gonna be the Parks and Recreation Department because they have that expertise. Um, It could be building inspection because the building inspectors come to a site and see if everything has been put together correctly. This is after the planning office said the design looks good. The building inspectors say, the design is implemented correctly, but maybe they're not gonna be handling anything beyond the actual building. They may or they may not, but I would think it would be parks and rec. So that's my take on how implementation happens. It's gonna be just part of the routine of what staff does every time a development plan comes across their desk. So, oh, and I I could mention also, um, Mr. Groisko talked about naturalized plants. The definition in uh, section K in definitions natural landscaping consists, oh, wait a minute, yeah, consists of plant species intended to be growing to their natural height and form in naturalistic settings and combinations it doesn't define which kinds of plants but it says they could be naturalistic settings and once again it's going to be parks and recreation that says okay if you're managing a garden with a lot of dandelions and you're managing it and you're controlling it and you're cultivating it um, you're not neglecting it that qualifies so it'll be a judgment call i think in any of these cases Um, somebody might want to grow nettles that grow four or five feet tall. Um, They're a naturalized plant. I've grown them. I decided I didn't want to because they tended to be a little aggressive, but they're not particularly aggressive if you manage it. I just didn't want to manage it anymore. So it's going to be a judgment call. That's, That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you. It's great.
1: Thank you so much, Michael. You have been a, a really invaluable member of that subcommittee. You've done so much work, and uh, I really, really value your your input. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, um, Kara.
1: Are there any other members of the public? Brian
3: Emerson. Who is it now? Brian Emerson. Oh, there yeah. you are, Brian. Hey, yeah. How you doing?
10: Uh good. Um, uh, I wasn't. I wasn't going to. to Contribute because I, I'm sorry, I actually don't know Robert's rules very well. Um,
1: That's two of us. It <laughs> um,
10: gave me a thought of uh, a question. You, uh, you talked about some uh, some educational uh, brochures and such that uh, uh, that you might. Uh, produce for developers and homeowners and and all this so that they can know what to uh what they uh what can count and what they what responsibilities they have and all this um i i assume that those that those uh uh materials would all be available to the general public but i wonder if those um if those materials might have uh, suggestions of some of those useful, uh, specifically useful rather than simply native and, you know, maybe pretty, uh, plants that, uh, that people could grow.
4: Yeah, thank you for that, Brian. This is sorry. This is Ben Sykes, sad board member. I, I, I would love to see that. In fact, I would say that we have some community members already that do those things we have you know the uh, natural heritage program um sorry i have them all in my list The uh, master gardeners do a lot of outreach um monarch watch those groups that will sit down and say what what kind of lighting do you have what kind of area do you have what 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 are you looking to plant um so you know i think we need some simple stuff like a, a brochure that says here's what you have to do to meet these things and here's, you know, for example, how you could get a match and here's what what the value is of sustainable natural landscaping. Right. Here's what you could get out of it. Um, but those deeper things that are like, hey, here's some suggestions of plants you could use that would work well together or that could be good in a specific p- part of your lawn. I would love that to be more like outreach that might be combined between our community groups that frankly already have that expertise and are really good at it with city staff like parks and rec that hopefully would work more together to to implement this kind of thing i'm not sure did that answer your question
10: uh yeah that that makes uh that makes a lot of sense um i i think um i think my question mostly had like a lot to do with uh in my head like the design of the uh of the brochures and and whatnot uh but the the answer, I think, would be to simply have um, uh, have references to what you just talked about, those master gardeners and everybody uh, in that in that kind of information. So, um, yeah, I think my I think my question is uh, well answered. Thank you. So kind of
4: uh, where to go for more, it sounds like. Yeah, like even in a simple brochure, like here's where you go, yeah. here's some links or here's groups that do it yeah. in our community that you can contact. OK, I like that. Thanks. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Brian. It's, um, I, it, I just know from personal experience, it's really hard to show up to these meetings and um, it can be intimidating. And um, sometimes it's a friendly experience and sometimes it's not. So I really, really value you showing up and asking your questions. And I hope you'll keep um, coming to these meetings. We really need as many people, uh, as many members of the Lawrence public as we can involved in this so thank you um are there any other members of the public marie alice yeah
11: where is she oh there you are hi marie alice how are you fine um i i saw this meeting when i was trying to track down something about community gardens and i was told by kathy that this is a one agenda meeting but it is something it was a subject about weeds is a subject that was very dear to my husband and i figured well since i'm here i might as well comment Rex Powell. He he spent, I can't tell you how many hours with the county people trying to get them not to mow the sides of the road so relentlessly. He always said that wildflowers are not weeds and that, you know, he grew up in, he's a fifth generation Laurentian and he grew up in southern Douglas County and he remembered all these wonderful rock walls and, and blackberry bushes growing on the sides of the road and and it really frustrated him to see this relentless mowing. So I hope that that's part of your revisiting these. You know, he passed away unfortunately, in 2019. So they haven't been bothered lately. But um, and I don't know, Kathy, about what what we can do about the problem that's brewing in our community garden.
1: Thank you so much for your comments. I really appreciate that. Um, our our uh, board, our usual board meetings are the second Wednesday of every month at 5.30 PM and you can join by Zoom. Um, there's always that link on the city website. I really hope that we'll see you at our June meeting. Um, do you have any any thoughts for her? Yeah, this is Kathy
3: Richardson. We're we not having a June meeting the interim sustainability director and, and Kira's correct on when the regular board meetings are. I, I do know that your item is a little bit more urgent um, and you know time sensitive. Uh, so I, we have heard from a couple and I believe there's a couple or three of you on this uh, Zoom meeting with the same um, concerns for the city and county on your common ground um, plots. So um, like I mentioned on the chat, um i have been talking with kim and amoot which are county staff that oversee the common grounds uh, community garden programs and um, tomorrow morning i will also have a call i I did receive your message uh, via the the chat of your concerns so i will chat with them tomorrow morning and make sure that we get back to you and the others who are
11: waiting for a response okay thank you very much i appreciate that
0: (laughs) thank you marielis Are there any other commenters from the public? There was somebody at the beginning of the meeting that I didn't recognize. Does she want to comment?
1: Anyone else want to comment? No more public comments? No, Um, I just realized that I was so worried about getting everybody's comment in that I forgot to do mine. Do I need to do another? motion so that I can then speak?
3: No, so you can speak at any time. I don't need to officially okay. declare it back to the board. No, and, and this is Kathy Richardson, the interim sustainability director. Now that you've heard the public comment, um, all the board members can comment or have a discussion on those items that the public brought or anything new that, you have, um, that you'd like to share with the board.
1: Okay, so for
3: my comment, I actually
1: have pictures um, of my yard,
0: and Kathy's going to bring them up. Um, can you bring up a different? Can you bring up like a more general, just a bigger? Okay, so
1: this is um, this is my yard and my health strip. Um, I started taking out the the lawn uh, quite a few years ago. And uh it was a lot of work.
5: You're at hold on one second. I can't see the okay. oh, here it comes. Never mind. Great.
1: Okay. Is it okay to talk? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So a few years ago, uh well, more than a few years ago, I started taking out my lawn um and putting in a more climate resilient uh, uh landscaping. And um I gotta be honest with you, it was a pain in the butt. It was so much work. I'm glad I did it when I was younger and felt a little better because I don't know if I would be up to it uh, today. Um, and it, it turns out, and I never knew this, that actually grasses, once you've got it in, it's really pernicious. It just keeps coming back and coming back. So it actually was hard to get rid of the grass. And even to this day, I'm having to like, uh, go after it like a weed, but, um, these are uh, native, uh, climate resistant, drought tolerant, heat tolerant, flood tolerant plants. They're really, really high and fluffy right now because you know the weather is just not that hot and we've had a ton of rain. And um, I'm really bummed out because um, the daisies are all about to bloom and the hell strip just looks gorgeous when all of the daisies and the calendulas and uh, I've got some flowering succulents and uh, some echinacea, some coneflower. And when they're all blooming, they just look amazing. Um, And early, early in the spring, when they just first start to come up, they have little purple flowers everywhere and they just look great. Um, I live in an HOA and the HOA, as you can imagine, uh, has not been supportive or happy about it at all. Um, And they were worried about my plants, spreading into their lawn. But if you can
0: bring up that picture where there was like a lot of dirt. Okay, so uh, the the greeny planty side,
1: that's my uh, edge, that's, that's my boundary. And this other side is my neighbor's boundary. And right now in Lawrence, and her yard has been like this for a long time. Um, in lawrence right now my yard is something that gets harassed and her yard is considered fine um and is there one more with kind of more with the dirt as well where it's kind of showing more anyway i uh, i'm sure you saw from like all of that all of the dirt um my plants don't spread. I I deliberately chose really, really vigorous plants because I needed to get it filled in fast because the HOA was freaking out. Um, But the reality of doing organic and sustainable gardening is that it takes a little bit of time to look good. You can't just make it look good like with other kinds of gardening. So I wanted something more vigorous and I did want something hardy. But as you saw from the dirt uh, along that area. Um, and there's, I, I might not have uploaded it. There's another picture where it shows her more like regular lawn and um, there there's no spreading whatsoever. She, well people on both sides of me just, they mow so frantically like all the time. and uh, And they use chemicals all the time. My plants just don't even have a chance of spreading. So again, uh, everything looks super fluffy and kind of high right now, but once it gets really, really hot, they really, and there's not as much moisture, everything really kind of subsides down. Um, But um, uh, I don't know if any of you know, I've been uh, out of town dealing with a family crisis and then I, I got COVID and it turns out COVID and lupus are not a great mix. Um, and I I have I'm uh, still not recovered and my yard just looks like that without any maintenance when I got back into town that's how it looked so it really was a ton of work at, but but right now it's just it's almost zero oh sorry I cannot take a good picture of my roses to save my life it's embarrassing anyway my yard looks like this with almost not like no effort. Um, and uh, it's organic, it's climate adapted, it's climate resilient, it's native, <clears throat> it's drought resistant, it's heat resistant, it's flood resistant. But again, um, even the, the crappiest and weediest and sparsest lawns in my HOA, they're considered fine. Um, not only do I get harassed, I had a really vindictive, I, he's not the same one I have now, but a few years ago, I had a a climate denier um, HOA president, and he actually was friends with the guy who, I don't know if he's still the same guy, Ben, but he was the guy who would come out and inspect things and then write the tickets or the fines. Um, And because the HOA president was friends with him, he got the guy to send me a letter of violation without even coming by And inspecting my yard. And uh, the city had actually scheduled a mowing. They were going to come mow it down. They wanted to take me to court. Um, It's just, it's been a lot of work and it's been a lot of emotional effort. And uh, again, the lawns where they just don't look great, they're dumping tons of nitrogen and pesticides into them, they're dead zones. There are no insects there are no birds there are no i have so much wildlife in my yard right now i have just i have almost too much wildlife i'm turning into mr mcgregor but uh i'm sorry i'm not really good speaking off the cuff like ben let me look at my notes um okay so we this is a really important policy ben's policy And um, I appreciate everybody's attention to the details, like the really, really fine details, because it's really important that we are supporting people's environmental actions and their desires to live more sustainable lives. Um, And if we get that codified, then there won't be abuse, like the kind of abuse that happened with me, where the guy issued a citation without ever seeing my yard because he was friends with like an HOA guy. Like that's indefensible and you know, you guys know me, I'm a fighter. So of course I've been fighting this because this is the reality. We are in active climate collapse. We have no choice but to do things differently. And I know that's emotionally uncomfortable for some people, especially because we have been in just, you know, so much trauma and and still ongoing and escalating. Trauma. I know it's emotionally uncomfortable, but we have no choice. It's, this isn't something we can decide whether or not to do. Lawn mowers put out, not electric lawn mowers, but traditional gas lawn mowers put out more CO2 than cars. And again, a lawn. people have been treating their yards like an extension of their house. They've been treating a front yard like it's a living room and they turn them into dead zones so um this this is something we have to do we we have no choice um all right i wrote down some stuff and i know it's a pain in the butt when people just read their notes but i mean i'm a public speaking disaster we all know that all right so um oh and let me just say like for the record there's a lot of environmentalists around town and locally and statewide who don't like me because I love lawns. I love mowing the lawn. I like It's like my my whole love of like dirtbag cars. I just, I, I used to love mowing my lawn. Like in Florida, I had a little grapefruit tree. Sometimes the grapefruits would fall on the ground and I would run over them and there would be grapefruit mist everywhere. And I did the fancy lines. I really love mowing lawns, but they're indefensible. They were originally put in as a status symbol to show that rich people didn't need to use their yards for food or for livestock or for anything. And uh, we're heading into not just a serious, serious financial crisis, but a food crisis. And uh, along with active climate collapse. So this is a really important piece. It seems maybe like it's trivial, but I feel like this could be a cornerstone uh, for us because it's going to help so many people and, and it really will be a meaningful Gesture. All right, I'm gonna read my notes and just bear with me guys. I'm sorry, I know, it's, I know it's irritating when people read. All right, green cities are desirable locations, especially climate refugees, for climate refugees. 70% of Americans are terrified of climate change and furious with lack of genuine climate action planning progress. Even if you ignore the undeniable scientifically material reality of climate collapse, the other stark reality is that green yards, green homes, green municipalities are incredibly lucrative. This is going to be a bad summer for fires, flash floods, hurricanes. And even with the housing crisis, there are going to be bigger and bigger amounts of climate refugees and self-directed transplants away from the coastal and Southern states. Those people especially will be looking for progressive green cities with serious climate crisis action plans. And uh, this policy is very important in our climate action planning. People want accessible, meaningful options to adapt to climate change. And they're suspicious of greenwashed personal environment solutions. The board needs to focus on supportive incentives on carrots instead of sticks. We need to make it as easy as possible for an exhausted unsupported public to pursue individual low carbon lifestyles Sorry, I hate it when my voice shakes when I speak. Sorry, guys. So not only is Ben's policy going to help people live more sustainable lives, it's going to message to the world that Lawrence is going to be truly a green climate adapted town. This policy is a wonderful addition and cornerstone of the Lawrence Green New Deal, which was renamed Five Steps for Sustainability by the ex-mayor because he thought it sounded too socially democratic but the board passed it and they passed it unanimously. And that's supposed to affect every decision that the city makes. Um, So this this plan, this policy recommendation is well within that purview. Um, One last thought, I have been in a lot of different states and cities this past year, and uh, it's been embarrassing to see how far behind Lawrence is in climate adaptation and emergency preparation. We get a lot of mileage out of our progressive reputation but the reality is we are decades behind even a lot of tiny, very conservative towns. Climate resilient, climate adapted yards and landscaping will be brilliant teaching tools that model sustainable behavior and signal to potential businesses and new citizens that Lawrence takes the climate crisis seriously. Ben's policy is a wonderful gateway into a more long-term and environmentally conscious citizenry. I'm uh, really proud of you, Ben. Okay, so that's my thing. I'm done talking. My voice is not going to shake anymore. Um, does anybody have any comments or comments about the public comments? Stan. Oh, sorry, Stanley.:
8: Yeah,
6: sorry. I, I appreciate your pictures of your yard. It's beautiful, but i'm I'm concerned. Ben <clears throat> would that be? Per the guidelines that you've laid out here that say you have to have a three-foot setback along all paved surfaces, public paved surfaces, I I look at what Kira's done next to the sidewalk in the street and I'm thinking we're banning that by requiring the three-foot setback, is that right? Mm Uh,
0: this
6: board member.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think I think that's a height requirement on the setbacks. stand. it's not like you can't have any vegetation at all in terms of that setback. That's the the height requirement for the setback. So you couldn't have vegetation that's, for example. Four feet tall that's right next to the sidewalks, I believe is how it's it's written right now, but all of the setbacks. Are meant to conform to the existing codes that we already have on the books in terms of distance from neighbor's properties and distance from um, paved surfaces and
0: stuff like that
4: is that I think I believe that answers I I think that's how I believe we constructed it Stan
6: it says a, a three foot setback shall be provided along all public paved surfaces in alignment with the existing Lawrence Urban Agricultural Code. Setback landscape shall be no taller than six inches in height.
4: Yes, yeah, so I don't think Kira's vegetate. I-, I haven't got out a ruler for h- how tall her vegetation is, but. Um, that's something that. Uh, I- again, the in- enforcement uh, or the final details of what that would be set down as. Would have to I, I do think that for example stan if people wanted to grow sunflowers to their naturalistic height and it was within that three feet or, or big blue stem or some of these other native plants that would probably be considered a violation of that setback but well, she, any said of
6: the native- she, she said she had daisies growing in there and i'm assuming they're more than six inches so uh, any, anyway i'm just curious if that is a impediment <laughs> thank you it's a- it's a good question. I, I
4: don't, I don't know the specific details. I think what we wanted to avoid is. Uh, for example, um, neighbors complaining that people's vegetation was hanging over into their yards. Somebody could say the same thing if, if vegetation, for example, was hanging over the sidewalk or something like that, but I think maybe those are too fine a details necessarily for an ordinance of this scale to, to, um. To address every single one of those example issues. Um, But I do think that the the meat and the core of what I appreciate Kira, raising my name with it. I'm happy to represent it, but I will say it's a lot of work by a lot of people on the subcommittee. And I would hope that once you guys approve it, that you would all see it as, as your ordinance and that, that you all gave input. And it's a sustainability board's um, recommendation ordinance. But yeah, those specific details stand like what you're asking about in Kira's specific case. It, again, like like we talked about when Steve raised the issue. This is not going to make things simpler in terms of, hey, it's 12 inches or it's not, it's going to there's going to be situations like that where vegetation at certain times of the year might be taller than the specific thing uh, for for recommendation. And and those are going to have to be things that that we work through. But I do think it's worth working through those things because the benefits that we get from sustainable landscaping and the ability to increase uh, native vegetation, people being out in their yards and doing urban agriculture and other things.
5: Maddie Bell, uh, board board member. So would something like uh, Kira's yard that is very fluffy right now because of the temperature and uh, weather we've had, say it's like eight inches, right? And someone was feeling petty and they did come by with a rule and they were like, well, this is above six inches, uh, three feet from the sidewalk. So would that be something that would like, if they wanted to cause like, sorry, not to cause a problem, if they wanted to do that and, you know, bring this up, would that be something that was figured out through like an arbitration process if a city employee did come by and was like, okay, yeah, this does violate it?
4: Yeah, so that's how I would imagine it, Maddie. Thanks, this has been a sad board member. I would imagine that, you know, first and foremost, like I had a tree. I don't want to get into too many examples. We had a tree with a big branch that fell in the middle of my yard and I went half of that cut. Well, I went over and talked to my neighbor first and said, hey. Can I cut your tree? It's on your property, but there's a big branch hanging over my house and I really don't want it to fall. And, and, and uh, they said that they would, but they didn't want me to cut down the whole tree, right? They just wanted me to cut down my half. So hopefully those conversations can happen between neighbors. If there's no resolution, and like you said, people are are stuck in, in what they see as a problem on one side and not the other, they could um, uh, register a complaint. The person from the city, just like they do now would come out and assess whether or not it's a violation after they assess if it's a violation based on the changes we've made they have one a longer time period to try and say the reasons why they don't think it's a violation there is also an arbitration procedure which between the city and the homeowner so if that can't be resolved amicably it actually can go in front of uh, district court it can go in front of the court system and they can assess whether or not they think it is if that can't okay. be worked out within 30
5: days. And to clarify with the arbitration in court stuff, um, uh, there were mentions of um, a property owner being, uh, I guess, culpable for charges of those processes. That was only if it was deemed to be a violation, right? OK. And that they yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember culpable in or what, 14 days. or sorry, not, maybe culpable is the wrong word and it's like too legally binding, but just like, <laughs> uh, like that, that there, it was like the city can charge the property owner for things like, I think attorney fees or court fees or something like that. Um, in the case of, uh, I mean, I guess I could just look at the document, but, um, I think you're thinking
4: of mitigation, like if they have to come out and do like clearing or something like that of an unmanaged property, which is actually how it's written now. If they have to come out and clear stuff or mow stuff or do whatever for management, they can charge you. They can basically put a lien on your property taxes to to do that. In this case, if there's an arbitration and you ultimately were deemed as being in violation after the arbitration and after district court, you would still be you would be liable for the management that they had to do because you wouldn't do it essentially. But there's now a a much longer not much longer, a much different path in terms of arbitration for you to um, contest that that doesn't simply include um, municipal staff that decide, mainly because it's a more complicated procedure now. It's not simply you know, a ruler. Yep, Ooh, twelve inches, right? So uh, we have a we'll have a more complex system.
5: Okay, cool. Just because something I think about is like, okay, how do fines and fees impact uh, low income folks in our community, and is it unintentionally taxing people for being poor, essentially? Um, and I, I didn't want this like what is an awesome uh, revision to the Noxious Weeds Ordinance to unintentionally be doing that.
4: Thanks, May. I, I would love if we could get some feedback from the city attorney, but also that the city commission could take up this idea of a progressive fine system. Because I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, we thought as well in the subcommittee, one of the reasons that people might not mow their lawn is because they don't have time and they don't have money and they don't have a working lawnmower or they don't have a what, you know, they don't they're they're running kids everywhere or whatever they they're reasoning. So I think that could be a way in which we could we could help address that problem through changes in the finding system. But I don't think we have anything on the books, maybe even in Kansas that does something like that. I don't know if there's a, there may be a very good legal reason why we can't do that. We've been on here like an hour and a half.
3: This is Kathy Richardson, Interim Sustainability Director. You do have a couple other public comments if you choose to to take it. There's Kathleen and Michael that would like to speak. Yes.
12: Yes, Um, my name is Kathleen Hamilton. I was uh, the previous garden manager for 1313 Strait. And um, I heard Marie uh, just mention a little bit about our garden issue. I was listening along and talk and, and listening about um, how our economic uh, hardship is uh, hitting some of our communities. Well, um, we have 14 plots in our garden and there's only like four people that have managed to plant something. It's only because, like in my plot, I have strawberries that are annuals and stuff like that. So they um, they'll come back every year. It is uh, such a sad thing to have our current garden manager not approve our application. So our gardeners can plant uh, their produce and save that for this upcoming um, winter. It is uh, very sad to see that. And um, we we desperately need your help in correcting those situations. We don't have any more confidence in her to guide us as our garden manager, so we do need, some legal elements of removing her from our garden. I hate to be the one to be saying that, um, being the one that I just stepped down from being a garden manager, but I do have several uh, individuals um, that have managed a garden before and are currently garden managers that would like to step up and take her place. So I am just um, wanting uh, your help desperately to get my gardeners a way to get into the garden, to plant what they need, to be able to save what they can save. I mean, it is almost the end of May and we do not have anything growing in our garden. So if you want to come by at 1313 Pennsylvania and look at our garden, you can see that we have nothing. We have nothing growing in our garden for my gardeners just because we are being held up by a gardener, uh, a a previous gardener that wanted to, um, I don't know, just... um, get power hungry and not um, allow anyone to plant anything so again, I'm appealing to you to help us to correct this situation and thank you for hearing me out:
1: Thank you so much, Kathleen. I really appreciate you and um and I appreciate that's a bad situation that's an untenable, unsustainable situation um Kathy or Ben, do you have any
3: insights this is Kathy Richardson interim sustainability director Um, as I mentioned earlier in this meeting um, with another public commenter is that this item um, has been received by the city and the county Um, I will be contacting uh, Kim and Amoot from the county Uh, they oversee the common ground community garden so I'll be talking to them uh, tomorrow morning and then responding back Um, so I, I did jot down the name. So, those that are on this meeting, and as well as giving a, an update to the sustainability advisory board members as to the resolution. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that, Ben? Or are we more clear on that? I'm really uh, sorry. I, I
4: don't, I don't, about that specific garden. It sounds like it's, a. Okay.
3: it's not related to the agenda item okay. um, that is on for tonight. Okay. And the other public comment you have is Michael Ullman. Okay. Hi, thanks. Michael.
7: Thanks. Once again, just a clarification. Um, the, that question about the setback, uh, I, I think maybe we didn't craft that very carefully, and maybe we should look at that again. We tried to harmonize that with the current urban agricultural uh, ordinance. You know that people can grow food in the city. And that one requires well, let me see where it is here. Um, I think we got the setback the same, but the height is wrong. there the The setback and the height for the urban agricultural code says three feet tall. And I'm not really quite sure how we arrived at six inches. My assumption actually was that it was going to be 12 inches. Um, But in the urban agricultural code, the way that plays out is you can grow any kind of food you want within the right of way between the sidewalk and the street as long as it's not taller than three feet. And we tried to to, uh, mirror that. But I think we need to look at that height requirement again. I'm I, maybe three feet too tall for our, our purposes, but I, it's, it's a good question. But um, yeah, it, it shouldn't preclude growing natural and native plants, only their height. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Michael. I, I, I appreciate that, Ben.
4: Yeah, this has been Psych like, Sab, board member. I mean, if, if people feel strongly about the just uh, as we did with the parks, if if feel strongly that we need to um, change those, yeah, I, I agree with what Michael said. I think we are trying to align them with what the existing code is on um, urban agriculture. We definitely want in those right of ways. We don't want obstruction of views, which I think is a, something that we discussed. And um, I'm happy to change those if we want as as an element of voting on whether or not we think this is something we
7: should move forward. Yeah, Kay.
9: This is Kay Johnson, uh, Sustainability Advisory Board member. I would hate to see the three foot be um, right planted on a street edge because you may not be able to see a child if you're backing your car out. Um, Usually the ordinance is 12 inches. If it's turf, um, that to me would be more reasonable six inches. I'm not sure where you came up with that, but um it seems like it should follow what the current ordinance is.
4: That's a very good point, Kay. This is Ben Sykes staff board member. I, I absolutely agree and uh so with the changes of uh including public parks as exceptions, even though we've we've discussed how those are actively managed so they would, but we can include that as the exception. And changing the setbacks to 12 inches. Does anybody else have substance substantive things that they think we need to change in the ordinance before we vote on? It? Or is there any other general is- comments?
6: Yeah, this was Stan Rasmussen, uh, the one that Maddie noted where you need a what section was that? Yeah, I got oh, that that point point four. .7 yep. you need a four in front of the word inspections.
4: Yep. So I've got all those in there now. I just need to put in the uh, change the six inches to 12 inches on the setback. Twelve inches. We put setback 12 inches and the parks under that I already have as public parks. And then I have the, yep.
0: So I have those included. Steve.
8: Ben, uh, Mr. SAB Board Member, Steve Kramer. uh, You may want to provide a quick provision on how to uh, augment exemptions in the future. We're not going to be able to think of every possible exemption. You just may put some sort of responsible party that's in charge of adding or deleting exemption clauses or special cases
4: this has been psych Side board member thanks steve we there there is a thing in there for um adding noxious species through the plant assessment board and a collaboration between city parks and rec the um plant advisory board and And some other sorry
8: this is more of a relationship to like parks okay you know when you say that there's designated land use areas uh that might be exemptions to this ordinance Uh um, i can think of a number of other examples too and rather than try and create an exhaustive list uh, there might be some sort of uh, responsible party or board that can allow exemptions to the ordinance i don't believe that that's cited anywhere within the uh, ordinance now so i mean i'm not sure you really want to exempt the board the parks from this ordinance. We may want that guidance in there for city officials, but a certain park under a site plan could be um, given an exemption by a board. It might be the plan assessment board. It might be city planning board. Somebody should be able to allow an exemption to the ordinance for different flag use areas.
4: So you might suggest from like, from a tactical perspective of actually how to do this, instead of under exemptions, adding public parks, you could say any other additional exemptions can be taken on a case by case basis as assessed by parks and recreation or something like that.
8: I think that's how I would handle it. You want this to be a living ordinance. And the more you try to hard define the only exemptions without a mechanism would require the ordinance to be amended. Would, would have to go through a lot of change. Uh, so it might be good to have some mechanism, whereas we designate part of the 4 fairgrounds to be a, uh, a public demonstration area where we show five different kinds of gardens that are acceptable as the master gardens maintain. Uh, rather than try and save that part of the fairground it
0: uh, might be easier to have a board that can provide exemptions from the ordinance. This is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. I think Steve makes a real good suggestion, makes
6: it more of a a living document that can be flexible.
8: Which is the same thing you've already done for your plants, Ben. You've got a plant assessment board. You just need to name a board that can exempt um, public land use areas or other land use areas
0: from the ordinance as applicable. Would it be creating too much of a circularity to have the City of Lawrence Parks and Rec
4: be the entity that assessed those if they were the ones for example that already manages the parks
8: I think that's that's actually a pretty good place to put it because they're more in tune with what those needs are more importantly they're directly report to the City Commission Okay. So, or to the governance of Lawrence so that that puts them into a good responsibility area
4: but we want uh, additional areas ad- additional areas for exemption not just simply exemptions we don't want like a big
8: blanket umbrella right correct yeah i'm saying on a case-by-case basis
4: okay ad- ad- additional exemptions of areas on a case-by-case basis would be assessed will be assessed by the city of lawrence parks and recreation department
0: I like it. Way. That's good, I, I appreciate that. And it, it does
4: build in that flexibility for future things when something weird comes up that doesn't need to come back.
8: Yeah, it's just mimicking what you've already done for all the plans with the plant yeah. assessment board. Same thing.
0: Thanks, any, any objections? Okay, I've
4: got that in there and I have, so, I, Stan, then I'm should I? I should probably not put public parks in there, then feel comfortable just not having that.
6: Yeah, this is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. I, I agree that I'd rather have that the way that you worded it in response to Steve's comments.
0: Excellent, got it in there. Any other thoughts? Now might be a good time for a motion. I love motions.
9: Can I make the motion now?
0: Please.
9: <laughs> so I make a motion that we um, uh, accept the ordinance with the described changes that Ben just finished describing um, and ask the city commission to consider this.
0: Seconded. I'll be too call for a vote. Okay, let's call for a vote.
6: Well, so I think we should have, we have discussion if anybody wants to discuss. This is Stan Rasmussen.
1: Sorry.
6: SAB member, Uh, I'm gonna vote for this. I think the timing on this is really good and the timing on this is really bad. I think the timing is good because the city is doing a comprehensive they're getting they're gearing up to do a comprehensive review of their development code but that's also maybe a bad thing because it could get lost in all that shuffle so hopefully the city will take time to look at this and get it incorporated into their evaluation of their new development code as they move forward but it might be a while before they really take any action on it given that they are going to work on their development code but
5: I'm going to vote yes, so thank you. Sorry, Maddie Bell, board member. I did note that I think it was at the beginning of the document, the goal for this being like introduced was winter of this year so that it could be um, uh, noted and followed by planters for spring of 2023. So I think even if it takes a little bit of time, I that'll be okay. Ideally, a little bit of time doesn't mean like a whole calendar year, but um, yeah, you know, who knows? It's it's government work. So, um, yeah.
0: Yeah, this
4: has been Sykes. I mean, there's some publicity right now. Hopefully, if you have a lawn, you know that you have to mow it a lot because of all the rain and sun. There's a lot of stuff about No Mow May that's been going around in the news and stuff. So, you know, those, uh, to me, Stan are on the the uh, hey, get it in front of them now. Kind of picture. Uh, whether or
0: not they're able to take it up and deal with it now is probably a whole different ball of wax. Okay, so if we there's... still. Sorry, no,
1: no, sorry, Ben, go ahead.
4: No, no, I was just going to say if there's no other comments, you go ahead, chair. You're
0: the chair. Well,
1: I was just, I was just going to say, I think we still need to vote. Right? Has, wait, no, everybody didn't vote. Um, Kay, what do you vote? Yes. Nancy, you already voted? Yes. No, you, you didn't. Stephen. Yes. Stanley?
8: Yes for Ben and the
1: committee.
6: Stanley, yes.
1: And Maddie, you already said yes. Yes. And, uh, and I vote yes. Okay, so the, the motion passes. All right. Hooray. Do you vote? Sorry? Yeah, I no. didn't
4: vote, but I vote yes.
1: Oh, sorry, Ben.
0: I vote no, this ordinance <laughs> is the worst. Sorry. twist.
5: Ben is the like thing he's oh, been working just... on for so long.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> sorry, I'm
4: getting a little loopy. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so do we call the meeting? Again, do we adjourn the meeting?
8: Do I move adjourn.
1: Do I have to ask? Second. Okay, all right. Everybody go watch something funny and get a lot of
0: sleep. Have a good night.
5: Thank you, good night, Thank thank you all. Bye.